we are giving all of the offerings coming in this morning and this, this weekend straight to Guatemala. Now listen, no normal church gives away one week's offering except churches that are generous and care about the mission of God. And y'all started doing this before I ever showed up on the scene, so let's give it up for y'all and your generosity. But keep it coming, all right? Uh, so offering all through this month will go towards Guatemala. Uh, you can specify that, but everything this weekend coming in uh, is going straight to that. So I want to encourage you to keep it coming, all right? Time, I think Chris, or, uh, Thanksgiving being so late has thrown everybody off. Um, I'm not used to this, you know, 50, 60 degree Christmas, but I'm loving it, all right? Um, but here, here's the thing with Christmas, whether you like Christmas or not, because I know there are people that do not like Christmas, right? There's a lot of unique things about Christmas, okay? Some of the things that I think about, I think about food, okay? I think about goodies, and I think about cookies, and I got to tell y'all, my house has way too many cookies, and it's some of y'all's fault, all right? Uh, we got way too many goodies. Uh, I think of eggnog, I think of one particular thing that y'all call peanut butter balls, but I got to tell you, they're called Buckeyes, all right? They're called Buckeyes. Um, and let me just say this. If you are a Gamecocks fan, there is room on the Ohio State Buckeyes bandwagon this week. Feel free to jump on. Feel free to jump on, all right? <laughs> um, but Buckeyes, I think of, man, that's a, a Christmas staple for our family. I think of the decorations. I think of all the lights and the ornaments and the Christmas trees, I think of, we talked about it last week, this whole Christmas music industry, you know, songs, music. I think of movies. There's a lot of, of Christmas movies. Um, we watched Jingle All the Way on Friday night, and yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger needs a new career. Um, all right. Uh, here's something else I think about. Elf on the Shelf. Anybody in this room do Elf on the Shelf? Anybody? A few of you are brave enough to weird, all right? Elf on the Shelf. Uh, here, here's the thing with Christmas, though. You can remove a lot of these different things. There's something you cannot remove from Christmas. You can't take away gifts, right? Presents. Because Christmas without gifts just doesn't seem the same. So let me ask you, how many of you love to give gifts? How many of you love to give gifts? All right. Good, good, good. How many of you would be so brave as to admit you love to get gifts? You love to receive them, okay? That's all right. That's right. Listen, there's nothing inherently wrong or sinful about enjoying giving or receiving gifts, all right? Uh, in fact, as, as followers of Jesus, we would, we would contend that Christmas is ultimately about God giving humanity the greatest gift ever, amen? Jesus, and that is what Christmas is about. But have, have you ever received a gift, okay, have you ever received a gift from somebody that you're kind of like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what made you, what on earth made you think that I would enjoy this or be able to use this? Okay, anybody confess that you've received a gift like that, that you're like, this is immediately getting re-gifted, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, that, that, here's what I want to do this morning, okay? Last week, we talked about worst Christmas albums, okay? Uh, so this morning, I want to talk for just a minute about worst gifts ever, okay? Anybody familiar with Jimmy? Uh, so here's the first one. David says, one year, I unwrapped a present from my parents and found Rogaine. My mom looked at me and said, it's time to face reality, son. <laughs> Thanks, mom, all right? Uh, here, here's another one. From Sarah, my dad once gave me three bars of soap and a taser. All right, I, I, I don't know what that's all about. Random. Okay, next thing is uh, this lady says, once for Christmas, I gave my husband an electric guitar. What a great wife. What did he give me? He gave me windshield wiper blade refills. 
refills, all right? He, he fail of the year, right? Oh my goodness, next one. Got a self-esteem book for graduation. I thought it was a joke until I read the inside flap. You need this, love, grandma. Okay, this is, this is one of those that the more I think about it, the funnier it gets. Self-esteem book, do I need this? You need this, all right? It's not great on the self-esteem, okay, when grandma does that. Next one. Last Christmas, my ex-boyfriend sent me one of his old t-shirts with a note attached that said, for whenever you need a whiff of me. <laughs> and you notice it says, my ex-boyfriend, because I think there was a breakup that happened soon after Christmas, right? Whenever you need a whiff of me, okay? Uh, here's another one. Parents gave me a Nintendo game. Problem is, we didn't have a Nintendo. They told me to go play it at my friend's house. <laughs> All right. Go find a friend that has a Nintendo. All right, here's another one. Parents, when he was young, and everyone's like, aw, <laughs> thanks, grandparents. The ugly little boy. Okay, here, here's maybe my favorite one, this next one. I gave my mom a Christmas card. I thought it said, to the mom I love. I read it wrong. <laughs> to the man I love, all right? Not a great card to get when you're a woman, right? <laughs> To the man I love. Okay, and we all know the worst gift that was ever given was this one right here. The old pink bunny suit, right? Any Christmas story fans in the room? All right. I love it. All right. Well, here, here's the deal. When we're talking about Christmas and we're talking about God's greatest gift to humanity was Jesus. And the problem is, even for those of us that would be serious, like Christ followers who take our faith seriously, Sometimes we could look at this gift from God, and we could, though we would never tweet it or we'd never publish it or verbalize it, sometimes we can approach Christmas and this gift that God has given us and treat it like any other gift that is almost like a pointless gift that we don't know what to do with. That we would say, okay, God 2,000 years ago sent his son as a gift to me, but how was that a gift to me today. How does that, what does that mean to me? And so what I want to do this morning is what we've been doing throughout this passage this week. We're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. And so I want you, I want you to read this with me. I want you to follow along as I read it. John chapter 1, verse 14. And I would say this about verse 14. It's kind of like Christmas in one verse. Okay, if we were going to boil the essence of this Christmas season down to one verse, I would go with John 1, verse 14. And it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then John begins to kind of unpack or clarify or expand on this verse in verses 15 to 18. John, it says, bore witness about him. And he cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God but the only God who was at the father's side he has made him known and so I want to pray and then we're going to jump into this passage this morning God, again, this morning, we're grateful that we can come here this morning. We could worship you in the midst of this season. We can laugh together of our adoration and our worship and our heart's cries. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help us to see from your word 
and help us to remember and realize and, and, and just, God, come full force with all of our heart and, and, and remember that Jesus is this incredible gift to all of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts in whatever way that you need to speak to us and that we'd be open to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so John 1, I, wanna, I want us to see how Jesus' coming was, was a gift to us, okay? There's, there's three things I want to share. First is this, that God came to us in the flesh. God came to us in the flesh. And in case you missed it, we talked about this over the last few weeks, um, but in, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it, it tells us this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so it, it identifies this, this, this word, this individual called the word. In verse 14, it says, and the word, which we just looked at, the word became flesh. The word was God, and God became flesh and dwelled among us. So God came to us in the flesh. Jesus is God. And John's very witness in verse 15, his witness, or witness about him, and he cried out, this was he of whom he said, he who comes after me, okay, he's talking about Jesus, he who was born or came after me, he ranks before me. Why? Because he was before me. So how could somebody that was born after me come before me? It's because Jesus was God. He was eternal. He was the word and he was in the beginning. And so Jesus was God and he has come to us in the flesh. You know, I've talked about this before, the, the, the good and the bad of social media. Uh, one of the thing that's, things that social media misses is that it, it will never replace the social interaction online, as good as it can be, will never ever replace our need, our intrinsic need for face-to-face -face relationship, right? It's never going to replace that. It's never going to replace this up-close, in-the-flesh, in-person relationship that every single one of us need. If all we do is spend time socially with a screen, we will be missing out. We will dry up and shrivel up, and, and, and this is not God's intention for us. And listen, God, who is on his throne in heaven, could have, could have come up with any way to get this good news to us, to bring the light to us. He could have the new hope like hologram. Remember that where, you know, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. It's Princess Leia. Like God could have sent a hologram or he could have sent a telegram or a Pony Express. He could have done whatever he wanted to get this message to us. But what did he do? He came to us, not at a distance, but in the flesh, up close, face to face, personally. This was how God came to us. It's good to have a God who is far off. And what I mean by that is a God who is, who is above and beyond us, who is, who is powerful, who is sovereign over all. But we all need a God who is not just far off or far away. We need a God who is up close. And what God did is he displayed his love for us because he came near. He came close. This was his gift to us. Some of you are parents or grandparents in the room. And you know, you know what I know about grandparents is when their kids grow up and they leave home and they move away, 
You know what, for most grandparents, the greatest gift at Christmas could possibly be for them. You know what it is? For all of their kids and their grandkids to be at home, face-to-face, around the table, right? That is a desire of every parent. And then I want to provide for you. I want to bring you out of your darkness and out of your brokenness. He could have done that from a distance. But you know what he did? As a loving father, he said, man, I love you, and I'm coming up close to provide for you your deepest need. In fact, in Matthew 1, verse 23, the, the Christmas story of, of Jesus' birth, it says in Matthew 1, 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. With us. God with us. He came close. He's not this far off, distant God. He's a God who came close. The message, translation, or paraphrase, it kind of, it it takes the biblical text and puts it kind of in contemporary language. And, And I love what it says in John 1, verse 14. Here's how it paraphrases it. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. I love this idea. He, he didn't just stay far. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Man, he came up close. This was God's gift to us was his presence was coming near to us. And so God came to us in the flesh that was a gift to us. Here's another way that Jesus' coming was was a gift to us. Jesus made the glory of the invisible God visible. Jesus made the glory of the invisible God visible. And I want to look again at John 1.14. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory as of the only Son, glory as of the only Son from the Father. We've seen his his glory because Jesus has revealed it to us. You know, John, uh, in John 4, Jesus, he's talking about worshiping God. He's having this conversation with this woman at the well, and he says, he makes this statement. He says that God is spirit, In other words, you can't physically see God. He is spirit, and so we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if God is is not visible, if he's spirit, how do we know what God actually looks like? How do we know what he looks like? To see the glory of God, look at Jesus. The reason Jesus came up close is so that we could see an invisible God with visible eyes so that we could see him up close, so we could see how he loves and how he has compassion and how he serves and how he lives. We could actually see what God looks like. The Marvel Universe, okay? If we're going to go geek out on superheroes again for a second. Um, There was once upon a time a character called Invisible Man. Okay, there's also Invisible Woman, part of the Fantastic Four. Okay, I'm being a nerd here. All right, so there's a character who, guess what the the main superpower I'm talking about is? Becoming 
Invisible, right? Okay, think about being invisible. You can't actually see this person and what they're doing. So think of an old school way. How could we make that invisible person visible? Okay, the invisible man or the invisible woman. Here's an old idea. Throw like a bucket of paint on them, right? Like, then you can see. Okay, I can see their outline. I can see their shape. I can see what they're doing. And in, in a sense, this is what Jesus did when he came. He, he put paint on the invisible God. He made the invisible God visible. He showed us what God looks like in the flesh. And here's the deal. Jesus, in his physical body, ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so, oh no, what are we going to do? How are we going to see what, what God looks like now? Jesus took his physical body, went to heaven, but he left a physical body on the earth to be a representation of what he looks like. You know what that physical body is now? It's not Jesus' physical body. It's the body of Christ, a.k.a. the church, a.k.a. you and me. He has left us here as his physical body, his representation on earth of what the invisible God looks like. So you and I, Okay, when people come into this place, when people come into contact with Friendship Baptist Church, with God's people here, they should be able to see visibly what the invisible God looks like. Amen? By the way that we love, by our generosity, by giving $10,000 to people we've never met to bless them to get the good news of the gospel to them. When people see the way that we serve God here, the way that we love others, our generosity, all of the things that we do and the way that we love one another, the world, they get to see the glory of the invisible God made visible through us. And this is why Jesus came, so that we could see what it looks like to love God and to follow God. Man, this was a gift to us is to be able to see God up close with skin and bones, and we get to carry that on. And so God came to us in the flesh. Jesus made the glory of the invisible God visible, and here, here's a third way that Jesus' coming was a gift to us, and this is really the, the, the big idea for this morning, that through Christ, we have received grace and truth. Through Christ, we have received grace and truth. You know, of all the descriptions in the Bible and, and the scriptures of, of Jesus, all the things that describe the person of Jesus, my favorite description of him is what we find in John chapter 1. And again, I want to read it one more time, John 1 verse 14. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And here's the description of him, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Okay, so I want you to think, every single one of us tends to fall on one end of the spectrum. Either we're very gracious and kind and loving, or some of us tend to be on this other end of the spectrum where we're very truth-oriented. 
We're like, I'm just going to tell it how it is. I don't care how it makes you feel. I'm just going to say it like it is. You know what I'm talking about? So think about it. Where do you land on that spectrum? Are you more on the grace, like I'm loving, non-confrontational, gracious, kind, sweet? Or are you like, say it how it is. I'm truthful, right? Every, how many of you would say, if you're going to be honest, would, would be on the gracious end of the spectrum? How many would you would fall on that side? Okay, a lot of you. How many would say, I'm a truthful person? Okay, how many say that? Okay, there you go. And spouses are going, yeah, you are, right? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. As humans, we go, okay, I need to be more balanced, right? I need to be, I need to have more grace in my life. Or I need to be more truthful in my life. And we would all seek to be more in the middle, right? Balanced. And that's not a bad thing. But here is what blows my mind about the person of Jesus. It doesn't say he was, he was a good mix. He was balanced. He was he was gracious, but he was truthful. No, 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 no. It says he was full of grace. He was full of grace, and he was full of truth. He was somehow able to be both at one. This is the deal. As human beings, we need both of those things. We need grace. We need grace. Here, here's the way that I remember years ago learning the word grace, what it means. It's, there's an acrostic. Okay, if you, if you take each of the letters, G-R-A-C, uh, G-R-A-C-E, okay, think of what it stands for. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. And listen, we all need grace because we are all sinners that cannot for the life of us remove our sinfulness there is nothing that we could do to remove the debt of sin there is nothing we can do to be forgiven of our sin and our own power we need God's riches at Christ's expense we need forgiveness that only comes by the grace of God extended to us. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read what Paul says about this. Ephesians 1 verse 7, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, to the riches of his what? His grace. We need forgiveness, and the only way that we get it is according to the riches of of his grace, verse 8, which he lavished upon us, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You know how he's able to lavish grace upon us? It's because he is full of grace. He is full of grace. And verse, uh, in, in John 1, it, it said back in verse 16, it says, for from his Fullness. We have all received grace upon grace. And so out of his riches of grace, he lavishes it on us. And we all need grace. And this is why Jesus came, was to give us the grace that we need. And yet we don't just need grace, we need truth. We need truth. And even the world will tell you, even the world understands this phrase. They may know nothing of, of what the Bible says, 
But if you say this phrase, the world will finish this for you. And I know you'll be able to finish this for me. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? The truth will set you free. Well, I want you to see when truth, if I'm truthful, that, that brings freedom. Here's what Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32. He said it this way. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my what? In my word, okay, we're talking about the word of God. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's not just talking about things that are true. He says, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The truth that is found in my word, the truth that is my word. In fact, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus would say this about himself. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, truth is, is not just some arbitrary information. He said, truth is a person. I am the truth. I am the truth. And when you know the truth, when you know me, I will set you free. We all need truth because we all need freedom. We all need freedom from our sin. We all need freedom from our brokenness. We all need grace because we need forgiveness from our sin. And we all need truth because we need to be set free from the power of sin in our life. And, and let me read again John 1 verse 16. John says this, for from his fullness, again he's full of grace and truth in verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When he talks about the fullness of, of grace and truth, he's not just talking about this, this small little measure all right, like this little bit of, of grace and truth. It's, it's extravagant. It's over the top. It's overflowing. This is why he could say out of his riches, he lavishes upon us his grace because he's full of it. It's overflowing. Listen, have you ever given a gift? And man, you don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot to spend. You don't have a lot to to go around, and so, man, you do whatever you can just to give a gift. It's not out of fullness. It's out of whatever, whatever you have. And listen, the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. He had no lack for grace and truth. And out of that fullness, we have all... And sometimes it's hard for us to imagine the extravagance of that grace that he has lavished on us. I want to give us kind of a, a real-life example of this. And maybe you've seen a video like this that has kind of floated around social media over the last week or so. That these tend to go around during the season of giving. I want you to check out this video of a waitress receiving a tip. All right. Here and we prayed for you before we started. Thank you. And that we asked the Lord to lead us to the person that really needed to see him show up in their life. And we did that in your foyer today. And I just want you to know that I have a friend named Jason and he wanted to tip you $100 today. 
And I have a friend named Ricky Sue who wanted to tip you $100 today. And I want to bless you with $100 today. Thank you. And I do too. Oh my God. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, precious. You're very deserving. You're a very hard worker. And I know that you are a good spouse and a great mother. And I am confident of how much the Lord loves you. And so we just speak blessings over you in the name of Jesus and for your new year for 2020 and your household. You're so welcome. Let me get out of here. All right, let me wipe the snot off. Man, does that not mess you up? It messes me up. Because if you received a $100 tip, wouldn't you be like, praise the Lord. This is amazing. This is, this is grace. But here's what happens. It's not just grace. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. This is what Jesus came to give us. Not just a little bit of grace, not just a little bit of truth, but grace upon grace upon grace upon grace out of his fullness. Amen. And this is why Jesus came. He came as a gift to us up close and personal in the flesh. He came to show us the glorious grace and truth of God so that we could experience it, so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have men. This is the gift of Jesus that has come. The light has come. The king has come. And the only appropriate response at Christmas time and all throughout the year is to bow before him and is to worship him and is to adore him. Amen. And so, God, this morning we worship you and we adore you and we thank you that you have come, that you have brought light into our darkness, that you have invaded our brokenness, the prison that we were stuck in, that we could never escape from. God, there was no way that we could remove our sin. There was no way that we could achieve forgiveness. There was no way that we could break the power of sin over our lives except you came. You came in the flesh and you came up close and you revealed the love and the glory of God to us. You made that glory visible to us. And you have brought us grace and truth that we could know no other way unless you come. And you have come to bring that to us. And so, Lord, today and through this season, God, we want to celebrate be visible representations of the glory and the goodness and the grace of God to our family to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to strangers that we meet. God, when people look at us, when people rub shoulders with us, God, I pray that they could say that they have 
seen the goodness of God. And God, through us, would you lavish grace upon grace upon grace upon the people that we know and love and that we come in contact with. God, would you use us? And so, Lord, this morning from our hearts, Lord, we cry out to you. We adore you because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to continue to worship the Lord who is worthy this morning.